This is Braden Bradenson, and you're listening to Hickey Aquarum. Okay, that promotional read didn't go very well last time I do that. Welcome to Hockey Aquarium for the week of December 10th. That's right. December 10th is when this is being taped, and, um, and he trails off miserably during the intro. Okay, lots going on in women's hockey. You know what we do here? Talk about you know, NWHL, CWHL, CWHL sometimes. Uh, women's hockey in Connecticut and the Boston area. That's kind of the focus area right now. Let's jump right into it. Busy, busy weekend this weekend. So let's start it up. The NWHL. Okay. NWHL. Last night, even, the Boston Pride were at the Metropolitan Riveters in Metropolitan. This was a fairly even game for most of the game, but then the wheels came off at the very end and it put the Riveters in just a bad position so that it literally the score ended up 5-2, to two, even though it had been 2-2 two to two with almost the closing moments, but a penalty call put the put the uh, pride on the power play and then another penalty call during the penalty kill gave them a five on three they used both of both of those to score and they landed an empty netter so the score does not reflect how close the overall game was but that penalty and those penalties at the end were the deciding factor in that in that game the um the Katie Burke got the win for the Pride, made 21 saves on the Riveters, 23 shots. Kimberly Sass uh, got 31 saves on the uh, 36 Boston shots, but she was not in net for that final shot that was an empty net goal. So the 5-2 uh, to score ended up with um, Madison Packer had the first goal. Alexa Grushow picked up her goal, uh, finally breaking through to get a goal. That was shorthanded, and that was countered by the fact that the first goal uh, Pride scored was Amanda Pelkey scoring shorthanded. Uh, Dana Firmino had a score, and then in that just disastrous power play for the Pride at the end, Kaylee Fratkin had the goal, uh, Mallory Siliotis had a goal, and uh, McKenna Brand had the empty netter that was a real dagger. Though Soliotis's goal was the ultimate. Um, that just closed it out right there. So the uh, Pride came away with a uh, 2 of 6 on the power play. The Ribs were 0 for 3, and the Ribs gave up literally a shorthanded goal. I mean, literally three goals happened on special teams for the Riveters, and, and one of those when they had the power play. Really, really rough situation. Um, we'll be getting more into that in just a little bit. The, uh, the day before, the Connecticut Whale headed up to Buffalo, and in what was a relatively close game, Buffalo picked up the 3-1 win. Uh, they put 35 shots on the whale net, according to NWHL statistics. The whale had 10 or 11. Uh, Mary Reisenden made 32 saves. Shannon Zavados made 11. 
and according to the statistics anyway. The Whale were 0 for 4 on the power play. The Buttes were 0 for 2. Meaningful statistics here. This meant the Whale stayed out of the box primarily, you know, for the most part, which is a which is a really good thing for the Whale to do. Uh, Juliana Ayafalo, Haley Scamura, and Emily Janiga had the goals for the Buttes. Katerina Merzova had the goal for the Whale. Merzova's season continues to be beyond, you know, amazing. Ryzen in it continues to be an amazing player. So it's still the Buttes came out, you know, on the upper hand. The Whale didn't play that bad of a game, but the Buttes just kind of, you know, just managed to uh, pick up the win in the end. Uh, you know, I think you could those games could go either way. You know, you could you play those games enough times, see what happens. It was not like the first game where the Buttes certainly seemed to be dominant over the whale. So progress is being is being shown for the whale, you know, going on the road. And they've been on the road for a very long time. I mean, they have not played a home game since forever. I don't even October at some point. Seems like forever ago. So uh, so that was a you know, an interesting situation. So turning to a uh, few other developments. So just to talk a bit about what's been going on in the NWHL, the uh, there was the NWHL All-Star selection. Not going to get into that in detail because, first of all, there's a piece on the Ice Garden about the All-Star snub team, which is very good and goes into detail quite well. And additionally, the Founding Four podcast talked about the snubs as Erica and Mike talked about the snubs in very good detail. So I basically am just pointing you at that. And saying, yes, that is correct. It is unfortunate that some players did not end up on the All-Star team given their uh, just to performance this year. There are just some absolute stunners. And I, I can't, I, I just don't know how that process worked. And it'd be nice to know because it just, there's some real big snubs this year. And I, I don't find myself thinking that each year. So this year I just, I did. Um, quick note. Uh, there have been some uh, the, with the Riveters. Uh, I'm gonna have a couple points to that. Um, this is a really, really rough result again for them. They played the Pride fairly evenly. I, I until those last few minutes, it, this game was gonna go either way. They were keeping the Pride from you know scoring too much. They got their two goals. They seemed to be doing what they needed to do, but the power play just is continues to be just an utter disaster they're not scoring on the power play they're giving up goals on the power play and considering the talent on the team it makes no sense this is an incredibly talented team an incredibly talented scoring team they've added more offensive potency that they had even than they had even last year so that's just this just makes no sense now additionally when you look at those penalties it seemed like the riveters were getting frustrated at the end I mean, that seems to be normal, but that changed the whole uh, tenor of the game, getting those penalties. And then once getting that one penalty, getting the other one, I mean, it's just that turned the whole game around. Sometimes you can survive doing that. They didn't. And that's just a, just a huge, huge um, problem. And as such, those machinations and what was going on over in Buffalo, uh, lead me to a new segment starting on the program that's simply just called Get Out.
Yes, get out. Okay, first of all, interesting points were brought up on Founding Four podcasts about Randy Velichek coaching the Riveters. Very good points. Seems like a nice guy, seems humble, was thrown into it sort of late in the game. He seemed to be taking the job after they couldn't apparently find anyone to take it over the summer. But this isn't working. There has got to be somebody else who can do this can do this job. There, you know, I mean, he can be the nicest person on the planet. There are nice people who, you know, sometimes just are not getting the job done. Now, that doesn't mean hire just an ass, of course, because in the narrative we always see in sports is, well, he's an ass, but he wins. So it doesn't really matter if he's Bobby Knight or if he's Urban Meyer or, you know, he's one of these guys that just, you know, is throwing chairs and whatever because he wins. You know, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that this is not working. The learning curve has proven to be too long. This, it's hurting the team. And the NWHL needs to find another answer, and they need to find it quickly enough. It's just, it's, this, has gone on, this has gone on way too long. This is not working. The, the, I mean, the Riveters just should, should not be in this position. And it is funny to me that then turning to the Buttes, they had had their their general manager. I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I've heard it Fate, I've heard it Fatty. Either's fine. He was basically like to talking to you know our Buffalo Buffalo press up there, including Melissa Burgess, Eric Wolkslaughter, Wolks Wolfslogger. Jeez, who was Wolfslaughter? Eric Wolfslogger was saying, you know, we're better than three and t- three at this point. And they know that, and so it doesn't matter that Rick Seeley and Craig Mooney had won an Isabel Cup and had had success. The team had made all three Isabel Cup uh, finals. It is, it's kind of strange that they gave up on the coaching staff this quickly, but yet, you know, so you sort of have that contrast. They had a proven track record. They're shown the door by uh, the Buttes, but in the meantime, we have this situation with the Riveters, which is just not great. I mean, Chad Wiseman built a team that won the Isabel Cup. He then continued to keep the team together so that it was a stronger team coming into the season. It just this makes no sense of where it's turned out. And the they, the NWHL really needs to figure something out here because it's a really unfortunate situation, and so so that's um, so I mean so in that case I'm saying get out to Randy Velichek. I'm saying get out to Donald Trump while we're at it, and you know just I and 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 it's just I don't know what else to say. So that ends up get out. Returning to the Buttes coaching situation, so. The new coach is Cody McCormick, who is uh, has been working with the Buttes in skills and such, and also has a reputation working with the indigenous community. So that's a plus. But um, so hopefully uh, that'll be an interesting transition and won't hurt the Buttes too much. Uh, uh, Nick Fatty, Nick Fate was on the bench this week, um, so. Uh, you know, he'll be an assistant, I guess, in a room wise. I hope the Buttes can have a stable coaching change there. You know, even when you sort of flip things up, it can it can be unpredictable. It can lead to some changes. So hopefully we'll uh, see how that goes. Turning back to the NWHL a minute, the parody is interesting, though. Parody is a good thing. We're seeing the Whale being able to play with the tough teams in the league. 
you know, the Riveters had had a problem, but they are still they can play these team these teams. So it, it's good to see the parity. Obviously, it's good to see the pride knocked off the white caps. So there's parity there. You know, all five of the teams can play with each other. That's good news. You do not want there to be like haves and haves nots. And so hopefully, you know, the Riveters can find a better result. And we're just going to see more parity. And that's just going to be a better product on the ice so that's just that's good to see so we'll wrap up the talk on the nwhl except that i'm just going to briefly touch on one league now you know it's a lot a lot of my former colleagues made a really good point we just keep having the same discussions every time a poorly written article pops up it sort of reignites these talks but we're not getting anywhere we don't know anything more than we need to know. Um, I think uh, Frozen, uh, Frozen Four, top shelf over on the Ice Garden, they, uh, Michelle and Hannah, covered this very well in sort of not only saying we're, we haven't gone, we haven't learned anything new, and also this is why, you know, one league, you know, and the and NHL's position was off, and just I suggest you go listen to that as sort of the later. Um, later part of the episode i'll put in the show notes just that's a really good sort of encompasses all the frustration but also why there's not really any point to talking further about it etc i also am trying to be careful because as as i'm coming at this from i'm the privileged white guy and i don't want to seem like i'm saying to you know women bring up these issues and women player bring up these issues you know you shouldn't be heard that's not what I'm saying. And first of all, my opinion is so much less important than the people involved. Uh, certainly, it's just on the specific issues. You know, I mean, I'm just trying to echo what is being said by you know so many people um, who aren't privileged white people. So you know, right? Privileged white guy certainly. So I'm trying to sort of augment that, and just, I agree with it. So so on that note, move on from there. Just turning to, um, before I get into just a little bit about the CWHL on the ice, the CWHL off the ice is concerning to me. And there was a bit of a dust up on Twitter, which I was involved in, other people were involved in the other day when this whole one league issue came out and there's sort of, it looked like people were taking sides and there are some sort of positions being held. Um, and not to delve back into refighting that. I don't want to I don't want to do that on here. What the there is the what I think people have been very critical, myself included, of how the CWHL has been handling a lot of things, especially from a communications aspect. It is not from um, a dislike of the CWHL itself. I mean, this there's been the two leagues have been sort of had people in each corner from the basically from the NWHL being formed. In the first couple of years, a lot of people were bringing up issues with how the NWHL was funded, etc. And it seemed like that was coming from a place of these are people that just want the CWHL to win. Most people, even critics, are in a more middle position in a middle position where they don't like it when the NWHL does something wrong or when the CWHL does something wrong. They want 
They want more opportunities for the players. They don't want the leagues to screw it up. We can be skeptical of the business arrangements, et cetera. Everyone just wants the most opportunities and doesn't want, you know, a one league to come together that somehow is worse than what is now. They don't want the leagues as they are to fold. That's not what I think 99% of anyone involved wants, including those critiquing it. You know, um, the a, a refrain that was often said on one of my favorite podcasts that is no longer on anymore, oh, uh, the outliers, they would say often they're critiquing things they because they want them to be better, because they care about them. And that is true of the NWHL. That's true of the CWHL. We want things to get better for the players, I mean, for the fans, just for women's hockey in general, um, and for, you know, in any, in any of those cases. And... So, you know, that's where it comes from. When I'm critical of the CWHL, it's because I want it to be better. I want it to improve. I don't want it to, you know, result in a negative result. Like, if I see issues in either league that is affecting how the fans view the league, that hurts the fan support. That hurts the ability to get the leagues to grow and from there. So when you see things like the CWHL has had a variety of press mishaps, whether it be, you know, not really announcing they had a second hockey team coming from China last year, whether it be re you know, requests to the main CWHL office not getting responded to, whether it be now coaches are leaving positions suddenly and you're wondering why, when so many questions were being raised about that financial situation regarding how the Chinese teams were, you know, funding things. And, you know, how um, player safety issues were being resolved, that came, that certainly has come up, and, and others. I mean, and, you know, as it was brought up on uh, Top Shelf, where Hannah Beavis was saying that the league issued a statement about the, uh, um, about the investor backing out criticizing the coverage of it when they weren't responding to any inquiries about what had happened. And that's ridiculous. You don't, you know, avoid the press and then say their coverage is inaccurate when you're not giving them accurate coverage. And that's basically Hannah's point. I'm just agreeing with it. You can't do that. You can't just avoid the press and then be like, oh, you got it wrong. Well, you're not engaging with the press. And this is a, this is a thing where a couple years ago, and it seems like forever ago, but when you had Saskia Stewart running CWHL Media's operations, you had a very progressive, um, progressive thing going on. Like, and I, I wish I wasn't saying thing, but the way Saskia was doing it, she was very, um, very cooperative. We're working hard to make sure the press was getting what they needed. Was making sure they had access to game footage, to game notes. It was just a really, really solid operation that she had brought. And then ever since, it has been not that. And while the teams rem remain that have good press operations. Like the Worcester Blades has a great press operation. The people there work very hard. So it's it's just, I don't know what the CWHL is doing. And I, I wish they would tighten it up and realize that, you know, we want the CWHL to succeed. We want the NWHL to succeed. We don't want questions like this being hung out there. 
So that's my thought on that. But And also, what is going on with the All-Star logos and the All-Star timing? And this is sort of where the dust-up came about between some people on either side, or not even on either side, but holding different um, opinions. Because admittedly, and this is very, I admit this too, there are people who are closer to the CWHL in fandom, who are in Canada, who are more aware of what's going on with the league, have more details, understand it better. And sometimes when we're commenting on the CWHL from sort of the U.S. side, we may not have some of the information they do. And so sometimes we can come across we're missing information and that can come across the wrong way. And I admit that, that there are, there's information that is just being conveyed by people closer to um, just more knowledgeable because they're up there and witnessing it and more involved. Uh, like um, so, so that that is that is uh, a legitimate thing. Um, but given that, still, you had a situation where the NWHL is doing their All Star announcement draft, and they have their logo out. It's been out for weeks. And then the CWHL unveils their logo with the same color scheme. And they started doing their draft announcements at the same time the NWHL, God, stumbling, NWHL is going on about it. I don't get it. Why is your all-star game set in Toronto of purple and gold? Makes no sense. And why are you trying to compete? Like, you're not... You, all you're doing is dividing people's attention. What you should be doing is trying to find some synergy here. Like, you know, when, you know, in the past, they've, they've scheduled all-star games the same week, finals the same week. It's like the press corps is not that big, but regardless of the press corps, the fandom is only so big, and you want it to grow, and you want fans to be able to turn around and watch all your finals and all your all-star games. And it's, so it's good that there was separation of the All-Star Games this year. But why are you, why do you have the same logo colors? What, who is making the decisions in the CWHL right now that is making it so weird? Making it seem like, whereas before you could argue the NWHL seemed to be the more aggressive team saying, we're going to put teams in Canada. We're going to go at your market share, CWHL. Now it seems like the NWHL has backed off and Danny Ryland's looking more to set up sort of a detente situation. And, and you know, there's sort of a, there's a neutral zone now between, and that was not meant to be a hockey pun. That was meant to be a Star Trek reference, you know, between the C and the N. And so it's like, hey, look, you know, you stay on your side, we'll stay on our side, we'll work together if we have a threat like the Borg or something. But other than that, everyone just sort of, you know, stay in your corners, we'll behave. But now the CWHL, who's like, you know what, we're stealing your logo colors. We're, you're trying to, you know, mess up your announcements. Just, just, it's not helping anyone. It's not it's not benefiting anyone. It's not benefiting the leagues. It's and we see right through it. So just stop it and let's let's just have good hockey because both leagues produce good hockey, fantastic hockey, fantastic hockey teams, fantastic players, fantastic product. I wish we could see more CWHL games, but you know, it, it's just it's a great product on the ice. So, so that's my rant on that. Uh, quick note on the CWHL, uh, just for the Worcester Blades, the local team, they went up to play Toronto 
Uh, first game didn't go as well. Second game was actually close for a while, so good on the blades for that. Uh, you know, showing some improvement, but also on that, and actually this comes back to criticism. It can't go that long. CWL only put one blade on the all-star team. I honestly, if you can only have room for one member of the Worcester Blades, you need to have more space on the rosters because it is a slight to those players. And if you say, well, we don't have room for the players of the other teams that need to make it, then I just say enlarge the rosters because it looks ridiculous. It's you're all you basically you already have set up the Blades to look like this outlier random team. You know, now you're just you're not barely picking all stars from their team. They have fine, talented players on there. They need to do better. Okay, I ranted a long time, so we're going to have to go um, really fast through the uh, Connecticut and Boston area uh, NCAA hockey. So let's start it up. College hockey. All right, Quinnipiac played. Who the heck they play? Oh, Union. Quinnipiac played Union, got a 3-1 win. Prater, uh, Kenzie Prater, Melissa Saniskevich, Kenzie Lancaster with the goals. Kate McKenzie had assists. That meant all three Kenzies had points in that game. And uh, Quinnipiac took 34 shots. Union took 17. Quinnipiac then played RPI, lost 0-1. Quinnipiac took 41 shots, though, but could not get any of them into the net. Yale took on Vermont at home in Ingalls Rink. Uh, Vermont, Catamounts picked up the 5-1 win in the first game. Jordan Chancellor, Yale's only score. Second game, though, um, Yale picked up the 6-4 win. I was at that game. That was a fantastic hockey game. A lot of back and forth. Um, Claire Dalton had two goals. Ale uh, uh, Rebecca Vanstone had two goals. Greta Sarzinski had two goals for the... Uh, for the Bulldogs. Now that this game turned, the fortunes of the game turned when the game was tied 4-4. Yale got a penalty shot called for them after their penalty. Dalton took it. She scored it. And then Sarzinski got an empty netter for the dagger. So that's sort of what turned the um, turned the tide of it. Uh, Jana Melanie had uh, 16 saves for Yale. Yale took 29 shots, which is the high for them. So a uh, good win for Yale. Uh, Sacred Heart took on SUNY Canton twice. They got a win, 3-1. Samantha Shoebottom with two goals. And in the second game, they tied it to Haley Payne got two goals for the Pioneers. Connecticut College had one game. Beat Manhattanville, three does nothing. Aaron Dillon and uh, Jordan Cross and Paige Michael or Mitchell had the goals. Bailey Mertz picked up 14 saves in the shutout, 38 shots from the Camels. The uh, St. Anselm played Wesleyan, so Wesleyan played St. Anselm because Wesleyan is in the local team. This is interesting. St. Anselm, who has, has literally been ranked in the past few years, got a 1-0 win. They took 44 shots on Wesleyan to Wesleyan's 9, Allegra Grant of the Cardinals, 43 saves. Once again, she did a fantastic job in goal. Kept Wesleyan in the game despite them only taking nine shots. Trinity took on Plattsburgh State. That did not go well. Plattsburgh State, five. Trinity, zero. Kay Lily Karpman with 39 saves on Plattsburgh's 44 shots. 
turning to the Boston area teams. BU took on RIT, and no, that did not go well for RIT. First game, 3-1. Natasha Tarnowski, Sammy Davis, Jesse Comfer picked up the goals for BU. Corin Schroeder, 27 saves. Next game, Terriers 8, RIT 0. Comfer had one goal, four assists for five points on the day. Courtney Correa, Kaylee Donnelly, Desiree D'Souza, Abby Cook, Sammy Adams again, Nara Elia, and Tarnowski all with goal, all with goals. Schroeder with the shutout. That was just Terriers scoring all over the place. Harvard took on two teams to the north. Maine beat them 2-1. to one. Keely Moy with the only goal for Harvard. Lindsey Reed, 27 saves on the day. Uh, Harvard actually put up 41 shots, if I'm reading this right. That's interesting. Next, um, next, the UNH Wildcats took on Harvard. UNH put 40 shots on net, but Reed saved 38 of them. So they had a 2-2 tie. Marinette McDonald, Christy DeLorere had the goals for the Crimson. BC had mixed results versus Merrimack. Picked up a win in the game one, four to three. Uh, put 49 shots on net to Merrimack's 23. Megan Keller had two, including the OT winner. And Caitlin Lonergan had two. Maddie MacArthur had the win for that. Then came game number two. Merrimack won, BC zero. Merrimack put up 30 shots. Beat on Kelly Pickering of BC. She made 29 saves. BC put 51 on on Samantha. God, I know that Samantha Ridgewell. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Samantha. So Samantha saved the other 51. Hamilton reference, out of nowhere. Okay, so all, good job by her for Merrimack. Merrimack picks up a win over BC. BC's still doing some soul-searching here. BC's lineup is ridiculous, yet they're still picking up some losses at strange times. All right, quick, quick note. I'm going over long here. Some things you will want to check out. Some articles. Already mentioned Founding Four. You always want to listen to them every week. Top Shelf, you want to listen every week. Jasmina Shah has another episode of Stick to Sports out. I'll put that in the show notes. And unofficial WoHo Radio is back after a long absence. I'll put that in the link in the show notes. Also, uh, Melissa Foster of the Ice Garden has a new segment. She's put in, calling the Nordic News, updating you on the play in you know over in Scandinavia and such. She has an article up on the Ice Garden. Victory Press has an NWHL weekend wrap. Melissa Burgess has it for you. The I also she also has a write up on the Buffalo Buttes coaching change over on USCHO. Nicole Haas has her weekend update of college hockey. She goes through all the games. Over on Die by the Blade, Eric Wolfslager talks more about the Buttes game. On NWHL.zone, there's an article about Maddie's, Maddie Ilya talking about how. The Bagulas are setting a new standard for women's hockey. I have to agree with that. On Pension Plan Puppets, they have two CWHL recaps. They got a team of people working on that. They talk about the Furies and the Markham Thunder, and they have two write-ups on game action. CWHL Weekend Wrap from last week by Kristen Whalen has up. 
on Victory Press. Uh, also, the Worcester Blades do a full write-up of how their games went. You can go over there, find it up the Worcester Blades. I'll put those all in the show notes. So that's all for this week. I've gone on a long time. We're going on 32 minutes. And uh, just as always, what's your favorite shark?